What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. So it has been a very busy week in the Premier League. Let's get you right up to date then. So Silver goes from Everton on Thursday with Duncan Ferguson coming in as interim manager. Lesser gave Brendan Rodgers a new deal until June 2025 to kind of ward off any suitors. Chelsea's two-window transfer ban, as I mentioned, reduced. They've already served one transfer window ban, so now they can sign uh, players in January and Watford who play at 10 against Palace have appointed Nigel Pearson as their head coach on Friday. He has signed a contract until the end of the season. More on that story to come. Good morning. Welcome along to Premier League Mornings. Robbie Musto, Robbie Earl, myself, Rebecca Lowe with you this weekend. Let's get into, shall we, a couple of those stories, starting with the Everton firing of Marco Silva. Probably... One of the most inevitable of the season yeah. so far, and we've had a few. He had to go, didn't he? Yeah, he's had time and he's had money. And when you're Everton and you're in the bottom three with that, then that's not good enough. That's underachievement. Going forward, when you look at Everton's recent managers, it's getting harder for me to, f- to, to figure out who is going to be the right fit. What is the right fit for this club? They've had Martinez, uh, Marco Silva, Sam Allardyce, they didn't like him. Uh, Ronald Koeman seemed to be the right guy. But again, the, the, the fans want to fall in love with somebody, Rebecca, in terms of a manager. Um, there's money, there's history, there's passionate supporters. Here's the two, the two main guys making those decisions. I just fear for them trying to find the right guy. Farhad Mashiri on the right-hand side, the man who puts the money in, Bill Kenwright, the chairman on the left-hand side. Kenwright apparently wants David Moyes, but in the interim, they've gone for a club legend, as appears to be the fashion in the Premier League, Robbie L, right now. Yeah, Big Duncan Ferguson in the back, and for people who might not know or remember Big Duncan, let me tell you, he was the scariest player I ever played against. And remember, <laughs> we, were, we were a scary b- bunch of Wimbledon, but big physical will want to go in there and motivate his group of players. I heard his press conference and said he's going to be up, will be up for the game. The fans will be up for the game. But my word of warning is there's no correlation between a club legend, what you've done on the football pitch and scored goals, and managing a group of players. When 20 sets of eyes are looking at you, you're leading the, the dressing room, you're sorting out the tactics, you're making sure people are motivated and you're trying to get a win. He's got to change... The habits and the rhythms of this football club defend better, be more competitive in midfield and score goals. But if he's that scary, whatever he says yeah. they're going to do, aren't they? If Duncan <laughs> says run, you say, how far, Mr Ferguson? <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn our attention to Chelsea and the transfer ban has been lifted. They can mm. sign players in January. What's your take on that story, Rob? I think it's a, it's a good situation for Chelsea, but I'm not concerned. I'm interested in, in how this might play out. One, for Frank Lampard's done a brilliant job at managing his first Premier League League football club with tactics, motivation, system of play, man management, media, tick, tick, tick. 
Just don't know what he's like in the transfer market, Rebecca, with money. That's going to be interesting to see who and how he buys. The other thing I just want to be cautious of is that we don't go back to old Chelsea, buying foreign players, stuffing them, the first team, kids can't get in. Both goals against Aston Villa, the goal of Ch- Tammy Abram and the Mason Mount volley, Abraham volley, uh, volley off the chest of Abraham, was all about the academy at Cobham for Chelsea. Remember, they've got that. I, I don't know whether we are going to go back to an old Chelsea. I just don't. I think Frank Lampard must be super sensitive to how he spends this money that is going to be available. I think there's a couple of spots in the team that he might look to strengthen, left back, potentially, um, maybe central midfielder, a stronger type of player. But I think he'll be careful. I think it's definitely been a blessing in disguise. These young players coming through have been fantastic. It is a new feel about Chelsea. Mm. I just don't think they're going to... They're going to go back to old ways. And plus, it gives an opportunity to get rid of some players, the older ones, Olivier Giroud, I'm sure, want to play ahead of the Euros. Pedro, maybe, some of the old ones, Rob, that might mm. go. So it's great news, by the way. It's great news for, for Chelsea and Lampard, knowing he's got the money to strengthen when he feels it's right to do so. The money, of course, from the Ed and Azard transfer, yeah, a lot burning of a hole yeah. in their pocket, indeed. Robbie Musto, you asked us in the <laughs> second half, how would Everton deal with Chelsea? They dealt with them surprisingly well. Yeah, I mean, just what the doctor ordered. I mean, sometimes simpleness is effective. Um, just what the crowd at Goodison wanted to see. Back to basics, back to David Moyes type of football. Up, back, wide and crossing in. And it worked out. More hunger, more desire. 50-50s, aerial balls. They got first two all the way through the game. We'll get on to Chelsea, I hope, uh, in that regard. But a great day for Everton. What's Frank Lampard going to say? There's a lot of learning still to come in this football club. When you come to Everton, a legend's taken over the football club, there's going to be a reaction. Whether it's 10, 15 minutes or 85 and 90 minutes, and Chelsea weren't prepared. His team weren't prepared at the start of the game to match what was going to come, to make sure they stayed in the, in the game and give themselves a chance. It's a young team. It's a growing team. They've got lots of skill and lots of ability. But the mentality, Rebecca, if it's not right from the first kickoff, can cost you. Quickly on Chelsea. Yep, physically and mentally, got to be tougher. I mean, Frank Lampard could, could, could say it in different ways. A learning experience. He could have a go at them a little bit more. Lots of things to be excited about with this young team at Chelsea. To be at the very top in this league, in this country, you've got to be tough, you've got to roll the sleeves up, you've got to be able to win in different ways and match fire with fire sometimes. Going to give Big Dunk the job? No, I'm not giving him the job. (laughs) Fergie in, Fergie in. (laughs) We want to see more of that every week, right? It's 14 points now. That gap has never been made up before. Do you take it as a challenge? Okay, let's make history. There's no time to think about that. I said when it was six, seven, eight, nine points, I said the same all the time. So think about it, what you have to do. Think about it uh, next game. And it's unrealistic to think about, you know, to catch up. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter we are six points, seven points, 14, 25, we have to continue. Do you think you can get back to your best? We are a fantastic team. We play so good. Ole, can you just say what it means to you personally to have beaten a Jose Mourinho team and a Pep Guardiola team in five days? <laughs> Three days. <laughs> we, do, we don't have the amount of recovery that these two teams have had. Uh, we've, we've suffered through... Uh, but uh, Seriously, them 24 hours less recovery, it's hard. It's, it's, if you look at it, uh, the physical output that these boys put in, um, them 24 hours is... is a big, big advantage, and you can see that towards the end today. But personally, I'm just pleased for the boys because that they get confirmation on the direction we're going. That we are, we do look like a Man United team, uh, and that's the big thing for me. 
In our boot room segment a little bit later on, we're going to focus on Manchester City. So here we're going to talk about Manchester United. Robbie Musto, all the things that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been saying for about a year now, we're growing something, we're focusing on youth, we want to get back to the old Manchester United. A lot of it has been given short thrifts for so long. Mm. Over the last few days, you start to think... Oh, maybe he is yeah. building something. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's interesting that he said it himself. Former legendary players have said it about this performance, that it did look like a Man United performance. And I think that's now has to be the foundation. Defensively, very, very strong. A very good spirit amongst the whole team. Not some stars not bothering running back. Uh, and that really has to be how they go forward. Now, we know that there's issues in other parts of their game against weaker sides. The creativity... And the attacking part in the final third isn't great. But certainly against big sides, when there's space in behind, that is a very quick and pacey team. Really good work, but they've got to be consistent and keep that going. Well, the consistency has mm. been the issue. Yeah. So what does it say about back-to-back performances and results against big teams? What exactly does that say about this team? There's the basis of a team of backer that can be successful. In a certain way, I don't like how we keep talking about the past and those legends and what was going. That was a brilliant golden era. Manchester United currently and going forward might be a little bit different. They didn't have so much possession of the ball, but were as dangerous. Leicester City won the title doing that. I think all these Manchester United can be different. But you know what I feel like now? We've got to give this guy the time. And let him succeed or fail. Let's not talk about Pochettino coming in or who's going to keep his job. He's shown us in two games that he's tactically good enough to go with the best. Well, it's all gone a bit quiet on the Pochettino mm. to Manchester United <laughs> front after the last couple of games. Time now for this week's edition of The Boot Room. And we are focusing on Manchester City. It's quite staggering that they're 14 points behind Liverpool at this stage after their defeat to Manchester United. And let me just tell you that in English top flight history, no side has ever gone on to win the title after being as many as 14 points behind the top side at the end of any match day. So let's talk about why. Robbie Musto, I'll start with you. Put for us as succinctly as you can <clears throat> the reasons why Manchester City have gone from what many pundits called the best team we've ever seen in the Premier League mm-hmm. to being 14 points off top in December. Can I start with some data and facts, Please. Rebecca? As we always do, Mr Musto. 16 games played in the Premier League right now. Um, last season, after 16 games, 41 points, just one behind Liverpool, very much close to them at the top of the league. Goals for 45, goals against nine. Right now, same point in the season... They have nine points fewer, 14 points behind Liverpool. Goals for almost identical. Same amount of games played, 44, just one back. Goals against 19, 10 more. That's it. That's it right there, Rebecca. Defence. The insurance of Laporte and Vincent Company gave this team the licence to go and attack, to go and express themselves, to go and score the goals. They're still scoring the goals. The insurance policy is gone. Vincent Company has left the football club. Laporte is injured. The, the remaining defenders don't give good enough uh, insurance for that team. That, that insurance policy of company in the port wasn't good for the Champions League, good enough for that, but it, but it was in the Premier League. And I would just say in the summer, they brought in Cancelo, Rodri and Angelino for a lot of money and they, left, they lost company in Fabian Delph. So I'd also chuck in the leadership in terms of those two players, Delph and company is missing as well. Let's go back to the port and company. No data in fact, heart and feeling. The port gets injured... Hazard of the job, not much you can do about it. Vincent Company leaves the football club, you have a choice. And, and to be fair, go back on any records, we both said at the time, we won't know if this is the right decision till the end of this coming season. And based on what we've seen already and what we know, 
it doesn't look like a smart decision to allow Vincent Company to leave your football club and not bring in, in, in another centre-back. Robbie's right, the defence is, is, has been the, the difference. There's also, for me, they've, they've lost a little bit of that bully mentality, that where you stood in the tunnel and worried about them. I don't think teams are doing that quite as much now, and that has a huge effect. And yesterday, Rebecca, we saw lots of shots of Pep arguing with the fourth officials. Yes, VAR didn't work for him that once or twice, but do you know what, what, what's, what half of this is? This is frustration at his football club because they're not playing to the level and the quality that but, they but, but, but how much falls on this guy with his focus on the attacking side, the midfield side? We know that's what he's all about. I wonder how much he pushed to for get, a centre-back. Well, if he he wants pushed to, for Rodri. If he wants a centre-back... Pep Guardiola gets the I think he has actually come out and said that defence is not as important to him as everything else. So my question, Robin Mosto, is how can this man, who many believe to be the greatest manager in world football right now, be the greatest manager in world football when he has ignored a huge part of the team and the game, which has now come back to bite him? Yeah, I I can't... I I don't agree that he's ignored it, but his emphasis is on attacking football and dominating, and there's no question, he's dominated leagues that he's been in with with outstanding sort of football. not just about going forward. But but when he believes his philosophy, his philosophy of of attacking and and, and football has won a lot, but when he's not won, it's always a defensive part. He can't buy players that are going to be good defensively and a De Bruyne and a David Silva, because that's not what they do. The only thing I would say as Rob, well, Rob, is with that football, Rebecca, you had Laporte, who you think is going to be fit, and he probably didn't realise the, 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 the d- drop of quality of John Stones. John Stones has been a huge part of it. John Stones should now be the Vincent Company of this football club. $62 million from Everton. All the, everybody's calling him the Rolls-Royce. Two or three years, perfect age. He should be now dominating that and football club. And why is club. he not? Was he never, did he never have the quality, do you think? Or has he literally... You never, find, you never really find out until you, you, you're in there, until you're with him, until you see. Virgil van Dijk came into Liverpool, made himself better... The team better and the outlook of the football club different. John Stones had that capability, wasn't big enough and man enough to be able to do it. He's got to get out of jail card, by the way, Pep, on this one. Wins the Champions League. We won't be talking. If he wins the he's Champions win League... There's no way he's winning Champions League. No mm, way. Unless the port comes back and he's, fully, and he's fully fit, ready to go in February... When, when that stage happens, they might have a chance. Without Laporte, no chance, Rob. No chance. Um, um, back on the insurance policy, real quick before we finish up, Fernandinho was part of that insurance policy. With company and Laporte and Fernandinho in the defensive midfield role, that was what gave the team well, the license. Wasn't and, and, Ro- and Rodri now is a good player, but he, he doesn't do the defensive job as well as Fernandinho when he played in that position. For all intents and purposes, Robbie Earl, mm. they look like a title-winning team. Yeah. With everything that they've got, the problem is Liverpool. It is, but the points total, Rebecca, that they've got at this stage of the season is more than actually won the title. And if it wasn't for the excellence of, of Liverpool, we would be making a bigger story about Leicester City. 12 wins in the Premier League, best defensive record at the moment. Uh, a centre-forward who just can't stop scoring. A coach who's signed himself to a long-term contract that at least looks from the outside as though are going to be together again. This could be the start of something building again at Leicester City. Can we talk about Jamie Vardy? He's 32 in January. <coughs> he, has, he is scoring a goal a game. Yeah, yeah. Remarkable. Uh, and 
It, it is easy to talk about Jamie Vardy, Rebecca, and 16 and 16 is astonishing for his age and his appetite. But I do want to talk about other players too. I do want to talk about Leicester. I do want to talk about in the last minute trying to make it five. Like, calm down. You've won this game. The, the appetite for attacking play is, is insatiable. They scored a goal by playing through Villa. They scored a goal by playing over the top of Villa with Vardy going through on a counter-attack. And they scored a goal with a set piece. If you're scoring that in those three main ways of scoring goals, they're in business. And with these young players that are flying forward, I mean, I'd like to see Villa and Leicester every week because Villa, to the detriment, they're wide open. Sure they Villa attack as well. See that well, they probably week, don't, the but they've yeah. got to calm down a little bit too. But, but <laughs> wow, what a game. Do they have the nouns, Villa, to stay up? Not well, what we've <sighs> seen. Not what we've seen, know. Rebecca. Too many times now. We've seen decent performances and not, not but, enough but, points. But it's a great question because they've got the tools in that squad, the team, mm. to stay up. With a little bit of now. So I Bring just wonder if Dean Smith Bring can say, OK, bit, yeah. this is the Premier League. We've got to be a little bit more defensive-minded because they've got good players in midfield. Wesley. Yeah, Wesley's goals. the man. They've got to get goals from him. By the way, Jamie Vardy's actually 33 in January, not 32, wow. I'm being told. So he's even better, better than he was five <laughs> minutes ago. We did think we were going to see a little bit more yeah. entertainment in that second half. But overall today from watching that game, what did you learn? I learned that the Premier League is in good hands with some good bright younger managers and I think particularly for Brighton Graham Potter I wasn't sure what he was going to bring to Brighton I'll, I'll tell you now I guarantee the Brighton fans enjoying what they're seeing they're 12th in the league right now they've had a difficult November played Liverpool and Leicester and a few other tough matches and they've improved they've progressed they're playing a different brand of football than Chris Hutton last year that's good news and for Wolves with the schedule they've had the games that they've had mm. fun first half I think second half they just figured each other out a little bit um, they both made attacking substitutions to try and win the game 2-2 is totally the fair result what impressed you today about both teams um, I agree with Robbie and I wrote the same thing down. Two good coaches, Rebecca, with a vision and with a plan of, of work of what they're going to do. Wolves are certainly a little bit further down the road, more quality, been working together longer. But Brighton impressed me again against the Wolves team that are difficult. They're on this unbeaten run. And I look at teams like Arsenal, Everton, West Ham, Watford. Disarray. Absolute disarray. These football clubs are in good hands. They're well set up. They're playing good football and they're going to be OK. Do you like the decision that Graham Potter's been given a six-year yeah. deal? Despite there's very little body of evidence. It's interesting because I have some friends who were at Swansea and as soon as he went in there, after a few weeks, he said, this guy's really good. There's things around his training ground, how he works, how he talks to people, the culture he sets. He's come into Brighton after a very short time. They've given him a six-year deal. Because I think they believe in what this guy can do. And, and I just get the sense that Brighton are in good hands. And they want to keep suitors, mm. potential suitors, away as well, possibly from Graham Potter. You look like the most likely challengers to Liverpool. Do you believe that yourself? And, and if that is the case, does that change things a little bit for the mentality of your players? No, but we just concentrate on trying to play as well as we can and trying to ensure the performance level is as high as we possibly can and uh, wherever we are in the league the, the, we always look forward to try and chase the teams in front so um, but uh, so, so that's the idea Liverpool are an incredible team you know I've been together now for a few years and uh, I've played to a really high level but, but for us it's just trying to keep pushing keep fighting keep developing as a, as a team in Sabre Texas. Robbie is there an argument that out of all the months left in the season the most likely month that Leicester can catch Liverpool is actually this month? Yeah, December. Lots of games. The two play, I think, is Boxing Day. They come together, Rebecca. It's a Leicester team that no-one's really talking about. Yes, we're saying how well they're doing, but no-one's talking about titles. It's whether Manchester City could catch them 14 points now or Liverpool are going to drop it. 
Everywhere you look in this team, there's something or somebody that's improved. Defence, best defensive record in the league. I think most clean, clean sheets. Attacks, Jamie Vardy scoring 16 goals already. Midfield, creating as many chances as anywhere you would want in the league. When other teams like Arsenal, you can't quite see what's been put together. This guy is building a team that looks like, for the longer term, it's going to try and compete in that top six. Talking about catching Liverpool, I would argue March. If Leicester can stay in it, Liverpool, if they get through the group stage, by the way, for the Champions League, they'll have those two-leg knockout stages at that from February through to March, April. Can Leicester close the gap then, Rebecca? Because we've seen that before where teams go away in European competition. They don't perform the same way. They drop points in the Premier League. It's just can Leicester so stay with them? what gap do you them? think they need yeah. to be? How far back can they catch them in March? Are we talking five or six points? Yeah. Yeah. If they can be within that distance, they must, have a, they must have a chance. Eight points behind, momentum, confidence, no expectation really, Rebecca. Mm. What a great position to be in for Brennan Rodgers. Wow, guys, let's have a go at this. Let's keep this going because you never know what might happen. And again, it's almost like a free hit, like nothing to lose really. Mm. They're playing so well. You, you have to imagine they're going to f- be playing Champions League football next season. Stay in touch. Stay on the tails of Liverpool because when the Champions League rounds come in, they might feel the pressure a little bit. Good point. Okay, so December a big month and March a big month for Liverpool and for Leicester in what is turning out to be a two-horse but rather spread out title race. So this is an interesting matchup between two teams who are in very similar situations. Let's start with Arsenal. We asked Danny what he thought, if they should make a move right now, try to shore up their permanent manager spot or wait until the summer. He said he thinks they should make a move right now. What do you think? I agree. Um, maybe for different reasons. Um, I, I think you're always going to get a bigger pool of available managers in the summer. There's an international tournament as well. The Euros is happening and sometimes you get managers released from that which can add to the pool. But right now, Arsenal are in a mess. I think it's, it, it, there's a danger that this could get ugly at Arsenal and it could spiral out of control. It looks like the manager's going to make more changes today, more changes made for this game. I think the, the, the fans' reaction to the players in the last game you know, when you th- if you're an Arsenal fan, you've heard it for the last how many years about the managers not being right. They get a new manager in Emery and it's still not good. I think they might direct their attention to the players. And the longer this goes on, with Freddie Lundberg in charge right now, that's nowhere near experienced enough to handle this, I don't think, in a, in a, in a confident and a competent way, then you might start getting a connection issue with the players and the, uh, and the fans, which could lead to, to, to troubles. Just quickly on, on Spurs. Before the manager changed there, everything was going wrong. The club was in a mess. Players were unsettled. Players wanted to leave the football club. One person goes out, another guy, Jose Mourinho, comes in, and it's it's shut down immediately. And we have seen the reaction in that football club of making a, a hard change, but a quick change, and bringing somebody else in straight away. I agree with Danny. You know, the quicker the better to try and halt this slide downwards. So then what type of a manager do they need? We've seen Unai Emery come in. Highly respected, still highly respected as a, as a manager, but, but they've got the talent there. What kind of a manager does Arsenal Well, I, I think somebody that's got a good experience of, of the Premier League. Um, of course, we, I can paint a picture of the ideal manager, and he's not out there. That's been at a club. It's a club legend that's, that's got good experience. I think one of the other things in terms of defensive um, stability for the team the last two managers have been very expansive, and that's been difficult. I, I think a defensive-focused manager will help initially to get a foundation, to get a foothold, and then you can work on um, some more attacking phases with the players they've got there. I mean, I like Patrick Vieira, and I like Mats Allegri for different reasons, and they would do it very differently, whoever got the job, if, if any of them do. But I just think Vieira, 
it's just success as a coach he's lacking, which I guess is kind of important. Sure. But everything else in terms of an Arsenal legend, he's, he, he looks cool, he looks calm. Um, you know, a, 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 play, a player that would gain the respect off the players. Uh, you know, and the fans would love to see him back. We know that Frank Lampard has done at Chelsea. Patrick Vieira would have the same kind of kudos with the fans, but it's just whether they, they think it, it's too big a job for Patrick. I don't know. What about for West Ham, Manuel Pellegrini on the hot seat as well? Do you feel like the blame falls mostly on the manager, the problems they've had are his problems? Well, of course it always falls on him, but I, it's more than that. It's, it's more about the way that this club wants to go and the players they, they try and sign, and they do spend money. And a lot of good players on paper at the football club right now, but the stars aren't turning up. Whether it's Sebastian Allaire, the $56 million record signing, Diego, um, Felipe Anderson is not doing it, Pablo Fernandes was a big signing, you know, it's too many players that are there that need to play at their best to play well. When they're not at their game, as Danny said there, very expansive West Ham, then it's trouble. So it does come back to Pellegrini. He's experienced. He's a champion manager in the Premier League, but he's got his work cut out trying to find the balance of getting these stars back to their best and starting to get some results. Fascinating game. you got the yeah. pressure squarely on both of these teams, on both of the managers as well. One team going to be able to take a sigh of relief. First half was not pretty for them. You were not very complimentary no. of their play. No. Are you going to be more complimentary after seeing them score three goals in nine minutes? You've got to be. You've got to be. And there was a connection made in the 60th minute where a couple of balls, we're going to show it a little later in the highlight, where all of a sudden the struggles at the back playing out, it worked. And they played through the lines a couple of times. West Ham got super stretched out and Arsenal finally got their front players involved, got the wide players involved, got their strikers involved. Martinelli, the youngster, coming to the side. He's sharp, he's quick, he, he brings that youth, he gets that all-important first goal, and from then on, you watch the Arsenal players, everything's a little bit quicker. They've scored a goal, a little bit of confidence, they move the ball better. West Ham just collapsed, which is another you know, talking point, and, and what happened to West Ham in the second half is astonishing, really. But all of a sudden, just a couple of plays can make the difference with confidence and finding a way through and getting their forwards involved in the game. What statement was made by Freddie Lundberg today? <sighs> That he's, he's prepared to make big calls. Davalois wasn't in the side. Defended better. You know, other players were left out the side. Lacazette left out the side. I'm not sure that the team was perfect, but bringing the young players in today, they did a great job, and that he's not afraid to make big calls. But a lot of that wasn't great, mm. but at least they got a really important win. After the first 45 minutes, it looked like it might be a different story for Arsenal, but they certainly pulled things together, starting at the 60th minute. Manuel, after an hour of that match, you seemed in control of it. What happened after that? Well, it's difficult to understand. <laughs> I think that we dominated absolutely the game during 60 minutes. And after that, in two minutes, we lost the game. Uh, maybe we didn't score the second goal. That was so important to, to finish the game. And, uh, and we were just had some distractions in the Arsenal goals. There were boos at the end. Is it becoming very difficult for you, particularly in these home games? You must understand the boos because in the last four games, the last five games that we played here, we didn't win. Of course, uh, we, we tried to do it. I think that we were a better team than Arsenal. I can tell you that was just one team during 60 minutes, during 60, 65 minutes. But if you don't win at home, of course, your fans cannot be happy. It's something you touched on before the match, though. You had a great end to last season. You seemed to buy well over the summer. You started this season well. Where's all that gone? Why, did, why has it evaporated, seemingly? Well, there's a lot of re different reasons to analyse. You cannot concede three goals in every in every game, and unfortunately for us, we are doing uh, wrong things. 
So we continue having that squad. Maybe we are not in our best moment in trust, but uh, we need to continue fighting. Do you think you can fix it? Of course, I always think I can fix it. How? What will it take? Cause it's play, been an extended play, poor play, run. Exactly, now. play 90 minutes instead of 65 minutes that we did today. If um, you remember one chance of Arsenal when we were one nil, I think I don't remember not just one. And after that, two, as I said, two or three balls decide the games, and we must be consistent and solid and concentrating the, the whole game. Why did it go though from not conceding a chance to suddenly three goals bang so quickly? Well, that is what we must fix. And do you think you'll be given the time to fix it to the people who run the club? Not depend on me. But what do you think? I don't think nothing because not depend on me. Really a difficult question for the uh, current manager to answer for mm. sure. But what do you think? Is there a chance that that is the last game managed at West Ham for Manuel? I hope not, because I think he's a good manager. He's proven. Um, I hope he's given more time. It wouldn't be totally surprised if he, he loses his job. 21 goals against in the last 10 in the Premier League. A little insight there in that second half. He's right. The first 60 minutes, we talked about it, they were pretty safe and comfortable. Then all of a sudden, they get played through and the team just fold. They've got some ta talented players in this squad and in the team today, yet when things start to go against them, they're not working particularly hard to get back. Danny Higginbottom talked about it in commentary. Pellegrini's teams are kind of all in. They're either going to be great football and winning games and everybody loves it, or they're still going to try and play, and when they're not playing well, they're going to concede a lot of goals because, because they're just not built up to, to, be, to have a lot of insurance defensively. So right now they're struggling, and he won't change. So either play themselves out of it over the next three or four games, else they're going to be towards the relegation zone, and he'll definitely lose his position. Again, I hope he stays on. I hope West Ham owners are patient, and because when they're at the best with him, they're really, really good. But this can't continue. This run of form now, the goals conceded, can't continue. They've got to play themselves yeah. out of trouble. What was one or two things they were doing at the beginning of the year? That looked good, promising for well, them. The new players look good. Sebastian yeah. Allaire started off great. Three goals in his first three. The attacking players, Felipe Anderson, of course. Fornells looked OK. Fornells looks, looks very average now. I'm not sure that any of his teams have been particularly athletic and, and powerful. They've got to find the balance to start winning games again. It all can change, though, in a yep. matter of uh, 90 minutes, as it did today for Arsenal and their interim manager, Freddie Lundberg. Well, Freddie, how badly did you need that? And what does it mean? No, it means so much for the players. I'm so delighted for them. They've been living under enormous pressure the last couple of weeks and I felt you've seen it in, the, in their performances. And then when they believed in how we want to play football and I could feel they were on 60 minutes like West Ham getting tired, our passing were getting a bit crisp, a bit faster. All of a sudden we sliced them open and uh, yeah, the boys did amazing. Did you always believe it was coming because right from the warm-up when you lost Hector Bellerin, it just felt like one of those nights you then lost Kieran Tierney, you conceded a, a messy goal. It must have felt like it was going wrong. Yeah, but then that's football. That's the, the nice part of it as well. Like, uh, it throws a curveball at you all the time. Um, the players responded and dealt with it. Um, but the main thing is the last 30 minutes. We, even if so, beginning we tried to play. We want to have that game and West Ham got tired and the, the boys just stepped up. Quicker passing, and I'm just delighted. There's been so many great players. They worked so hard. It's something we talked about in the Premier League today. You, you need to work hard, both offensive and defensive, and they definitely did that today. So, Arsenal with their first win since October. Good thing they got it because this uh, upcoming schedule for them, the fixtures, not looking so easy. You got Man City in there. You got Chelsea. You got Man United as well. But if you were to say if the the one thing that impressed you the most that uh, Arsenal did today, what would that be? 
Um, I suppose having the bravery to keep trying to play, to keep trying to play through, because I'll be honest with you, at the start of the second half, we're organising clips to sort of show that Arsenal was so bad playing out from the back, but they kept going, they kept trying. Torreira got on the ball a few times, made those connecting passes, and all of a sudden it all changed. Now, it's not all sweetness and light now. You know, that, there's a lot in that performance that was worrying if you're an Arsenal fan, but at least the front players were involved. At least there's some confidence now. One game on that fixture as well, um, list there, Everton away, yeah. with the way that they are with the new manager in charge, Duncan Fuchs, that's going to be a difficult game as well. So you're so right. They needed that performance. They needed some encouragement for the fans to believe that it isn't all doom and gloom at Arsenal, that there are some good players there. Can they build on that and try and get on a decent run, even though they've got some tough games first, coming up? First time they've left the pitch in a long time yeah. with a positive feeling. We'll see if that carries over to their next uh, fixture. After the game, Manchester City were swift to issue this statement. Manchester City FC are aware of video circulating on social media, they say, which appears to show a supporter making racial gestures during the second half of the match against Manchester United this evening. Officials from the club are working with Greater Manchester Police in order to help them identify any individuals concerned and assist with their inquiries. The club are also working with Greater Manchester Police regarding an incident of objects being thrown onto the field of play. The club operates a zero-tolerance policy regarding discrimination of any kind and anyone found guilty of racial abuse will be banned from the club for life. The anti-racism campaign group Kick It Out in the UK issued this statement very soon after. We have been inundated with reports of alleged racist abuse from a number of individuals, they say, during this evening's Manchester derby. We will be contacting both clubs to offer our support and hope swift action is taken to identify the offenders. So let's hear from both managers yesterday at the Manchester derby. But first, here's Marcus Rashford, the Manchester United forward, on the apparent racist abuse. You know, we, we seem to be speaking about it an awful lot um, over this past six months, eight months. And, you know, it's it's not something that anyone wants to wants to do. Um, you know, even speaking about it now, it's it's not it's not a nice thing to, to speak about. Um, but, you know, the <coughs> the necessary um, departments need to do the do the right things to to stop it in, in the game, because you know that's it's a big negative of of the sport and just of of the country it's it's, it's not something that you that you want to see we keep talking about it every bloody week sorry it's uh, but he's been caught on camera he's he, he should in my opinion never be allowed into a football ground again and i've seen a video um unacceptable so i'm sure the city and uh, the authorities will deal with it because that's we keep as i said we we keep talking about it every week and it doesn't stop un- unless we uh, it'll have consequences yeah. when english players yep. or english teams are targeted with yep. uh, race abuse abroad there's often talk about what the punishment should be for yep. the country or the club whether it's partial stadium closures <laughs> closures point deductions that sort of thing what do you think should happen here, should there be something towards City? Why don't we put him uh, and educate him instead? It's not City's fault, it is. And it's he that should be uh, educated and... Uh, that, that's my that's my opinion anyway. Uh, nothing to do with the Man City as a football club, no. What's your thoughts on the incident that we saw in the second half with the missiles and the chanting? I understand the club have made a statement. What are your thoughts? I did the same in the club. I support this, the club and I'm going to work to, to avoid it to happen again. 
The Professional Football Association have said this. We're disappointed by what appears to be racist abuse from fans at today's Manchester derby. We welcome this prompt response from City. Racist abuse is a criminal offence and must be dealt with accordingly. Well, we heard from Marcus Rashford there on his Twitter account. He put this out. Can't beat a derby win, he says. Stood up to everything thrown at us and got what we deserved. And Jesse Lingard, who was one of the players in the picture when the racist abuse, the alleged racist abuse occurs, on his Twitter account said this, not even this idiot, he was referring to that video, can ruin tonight's feeling. Shameful behaviour, it may be the derby, but there is never ever a reason to be racist. Well, in the studio this morning, Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto joining me. Gentlemen... We heard from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer there say, we keep talking about this. Mm. We hear this every week. Marcus mm. Rashford saying, again, we're talking about something that we've talked about before. Mm. We have sat here and discussed racism in football <clears throat> over and over again. So today, mm. gentlemen, I want to try and move the conversation forward to try to find some ideas for a solution. Because as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer says, unless there are consequences for what right. happened yesterday, we are never going to improve the situation. Mm. So... Robiel, I'll start with you. Yeah. Where do we find solutions to racism in football? It's a really good question. And I have to say, I thought Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was excellent on the whole issue yesterday, Rebecca. Where does the responsibility fall? First and foremost, for me, it falls at the lap of the FA. I went online last night just to look what the FA's reason for existence. They are the governing body of the Association of Football in England, whether it's from grass levels to the elite level. They are responsible for football in England. And Oli makes a great point when he talks about this is about education. And if we're focusing our education on grown adults at a football club, we've missed the, we've missed the trick. We're too late to the party. This has to start in schools. This has to start with kids. I am around kids who have, have nieces and nephews, have got goddaughters who don't see colour. So at that age, if they don't see colour and we can introduce the right education and programmes, we can build a society and a group of people where colour are not going to be an issue. So when they come to our football clubs, we're not going to see the things that we're seeing now that are continually um, abhorrent to, 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 to sport and the, the good nature of sport. We should say the FA, the Football Association, have yet to release any kind of statement. From what you know of their work, mm. are they doing that? Are they going into schools, Robbie, to try and educate that generation of your goddaughters, your nephews and nieces? No. And these two things that, that usually stop these things. Money and people either not having the, the right message. The money, the, the, the game of football is awash with millions of dollars. So there's no issue on money. Message is another thing that I, I think is important. When you see people like Marcus Rashford and Jesse Lingard and Raheem Sterling, the message can be delivered in these schools by heroes, by people who, who, who will be looked up to, whose messages will be accepted by all sorts, by the whole spectrum of people. So everything is there, but there's no joined-up thinking. There's no real serious conversations going on. We just keep on saying, well, OK, we'll ban this guy, we'll arrest this guy, we'll do whatever. Ollie's 100% right. Let's educate people. Let's educate our kids and change the whole narrative of, of what we're seeing. What else can we do, Robin? Well, I think football's got to look at itself in England and, and twofold. The football clubs. And I, I totally agree with your point with the youngsters and kids. But are the clubs doing enough, Rebecca, within the stadiums to inform, 
to educate fans of the appropriate behaviour within stadiums. More signs around the stadiums. There's a hundred zillion screens in the concourse areas of stadiums. Run videos all the time. Try and help out. We know that clubs support campaigns, kick it out, show racism, the red card, Rob back in our day. You know, it's not working. So make it front and centre. It continues to be an, a, an inconvenience almost in sometimes these clubs, you know, when individuals do this thing and there's like a shake their head about it. Make it front and centre. And for the FA, is it time for punishments? For, for clubs that have found, that have found guilty, should they be show, uh, closing sections of stadiums? Closing stadiums behind closed doors, maybe points deductions. Would that mean that fans would self-police a little bit more in a section of a stadium where somebody's doing something inappropriate that they say, hang on a minute, we're all going to get punished for your, your behaviour? I just think twofold football has got to realise now that it's not working, that you helped to, in your playing days to try and overcome. It's as bad as ever. Can football do more? You mentioned Raheem Sterling. You mentioned Jesse Lingard, yeah. Marcus Rashford. Yeah. Raheem Sterling, who was playing in that game, has been very yeah. vocal about racism and football as well. Yeah. We're yet actually to hear from Raheem Sterling. No doubt we will. It's their platform. They have that platform. Yeah. But do you get the sense, Robbie, that they're almost at times exhausted by the lack right. of support that they have to use that platform in society? Absolutely. It, it, it's got to the stage, Rebecca, where it's like, well... It's current at the moment, so this week we'll talk about it, and then it'll, mm. it'll go away again, and, and, and it'll be OK, and everything get back, back to normal. We've got to have joined-up thinking. We've got to have a consistent message, consistent approach to this. This is a stain on our game. We talk about the Premier League, and we talk about the stories and the characters, and, and being the best league in the world. When those pictures go out, Rebecca, it goes around the world. It taints our game. And until we do something about it, again... I'm back where we were, what, 12 months ago in the same place. Mm. And we're back where we were when you were playing, Robin. Mm. Which mm. is the 70s. What faith do you have that this will change? To be honest, not an awful lot. Not an awful lot. Gentlemen, thank you very much. A difficult subject, but one we have to talk about. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.